I didn't forget. I forgot to talk to anybody. If you're going to record, yes. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Vineyard Community Church. We're glad you're with us. As uh, we continue on in this series we're doing called From Nothing to Something. From Nothing to Something. And we, uh, we started this series about uh, 10 weeks ago. And we, we're looking at it. It's on a verse, 1 Peter 2.10, um, where, where Peter says, Once we were not a people, but now we are the people of God. And we've been developing that. We spent a lot of time in the first chapter of 1 Peter, where uh, Peter really talks about the blessings of being a follower of Christ. And now as we've moved into the second chapter the last couple of weeks, uh, he's, he's talking about that, but he's leading up to uh, us being a people of purpose and mission and what that looks like. And so last week we looked at verses 4 through 6, and, and the sort of the main thing of last week was how precious you are to Jesus, that you matter to Him, and that understanding that you're precious to God um, impacts the way that you live this life. And I asked you to really consider that, and we, we looked at a parable last week, uh, two parables actually, Matthew 13, uh, and we sort of changed them up from the way people normally look at them, and I wanted you to consider the idea that in those parables it's very possible that, that you are the pearl and you are the treasure. We're going to look at them the more typical way in just a moment uh, in today's verse, because in today's message we're going to talk about how precious Jesus is and how that gives us purpose in life. So last week, how precious we are to Him. This week, how precious He is to us. So that's where we're heading. Uh, that's the intro. Transition. There's always a bad joke or two. These are very bad. What does square say to the circle? You're pointless. What does circle say to the square? I'll be around. Last one, because I didn't know if those were going to work. Why aren't Greek yogurt and American yogurt the same? They come from different cultures. Does that work for you, Mr. Chagoras? Okay, good. Scripture reading here on purpose. And uh, we're in 1 Peter 2, 7 through 10. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. And a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So let's hop right in. Point one, on, one in your notes is this, that Jesus is precious to those who believe. Jesus is precious to those who believe. The first, uh, first Peter 2, 7, the very first part says, Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. That's the living stone. That's Jesus. Jesus is precious to those who believe. If you're a Christ follower, a believer, then, then Christ is precious to you. He's precious to all who believe. And I, I want to revisit that, that couple of parables we looked at last week in Matthew 13, 44 through 46. And if you were here last week, I said that you know, parables are great because 
Jesus taught in parables on purpose so that you would take some time to think about what was going on in the stories, that, that there's something about the way that he taught that would engage you to um, turn on your mind, and it, it would help you to remember those things, and they would have a deeper impact um, than just a, a bunch of facts sort of laid out before you, and that because they're parables, we can look at them in different ways. And, and that um, last week we, we looked at these parables I'm going to look at about the treasure and the pearl. And as I told you, that, that um, a good way to look at them is that you're the treasure. And that Jesus is the one who came upon the field and willingly bought the entire field so he could have the treasure in it. That, that Jesus paid for all sin, for all time, for all people, so that he could have your sin for this time and pay for it so that you could be reconciled in relationship with him you're, you're a treasure. You were worth it. That, that he was the pearl merchant who, who saw you as a, a pearl, a, a, that he saw in you such beauty and such potential that he wanted to have you uh, for always in relationship with him. And that, that's a very valid way of looking at these parables. But probably the, the, the way that most people read them is that Jesus is the treasure and Jesus is the pearl, and he is, and he can be. And it's certainly okay to be for these parables to be read both ways. Let me look at them again with you. Matthew 13, 44 through 46. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hid in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. And so there, there is something in there that helps us to understand that there is nothing of more value in this world than our relationship with Jesus. There is nothing better than the eternal life that we have now available to us in Christ. There is nothing more amazing than the fact that God has made a way for us to be reconciled to Him. And we've, we've talked in this, uh, this series about how amazing justification is when we get saved, that, that, that God now chooses to see us in the perfection of His Son, just as if I'd never sinned. And that, that alone is like a, a showstopper, if you would. That's an amazing, amazing thing. Let alone the Holy Spirit comes in now and sanctifies us, God himself, uh, dwelling in us and, and moving in us over time. And that at one point uh, in, in time, um, when either we've gone to be with Jesus or he's come to get us, glorification happens. We get a brand new body and all that neat stuff takes place. Uh, there's forgiveness of sin. There's, there's mercy and there's grace and there's all the, all the things that he's doing in our lives. There's these amazing blessings. There's nothing that compares to this life um, that we can have in him and it is worth everything. There's no sacrifice too great. There, there's nothing that you will ever find that's better. And, and so this is the life that he's made available to us and, and, and so he is precious to us. He's precious to us. He's when you think about those things, it's just an amazing idea. And so we need to understand how precious he is. And that needs to be something that we think about in our lives. Second thing I want to talk about is this. Um, what about pre-Christians? Point number two, what about pre-Christians? I like the idea, if you haven't heard me ever talk to about people who don't yet believe and refer to them as pre-Christians, I think that puts it in a good way. They're just people who haven't come into the kingdom yet who haven't come to know Jesus yet, but that we would like to see that happen. So it reminds us that these aren't just people that are, you know, just lost people, which they are, but they're pre-Christians. They just need to hear and respond to the message. 
But these verses, for some people, might be a little hard to understand as they apply to pre-Christians. And uh, it's the second half of verse 7 and verse 8. So let me read them to you. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. And a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. Now, when you read those, it might seem that they're implying, those verses, that some people are destined to disobey the message, that they have no choice but to reject the good news. And, and that's not what those verses are saying. Two things I want to point out about those verses and how they relate to pre-Christians uh, or unbelievers. The first is that the verbs in, in that verse are all in present tense. Because of the original language um, that Scripture was written in, Greek, it, it was very um, tense-specific, and it changes the meaning of things. Uh, in, in a, and they have more tense, uh, tense than we have in, in our language. And the way that verse could actually be written is this, but to those who currently do not believe, they currently stumble because they currently disobey the message. So there's something very present tense about that verse that we need to be aware of. Secondly, the word there that's translated destined would be better translated appointed. And you, you think, well, those are similar. They're similar. But what is appointed is not that they disobey, but they're appointed to stumble if they disobey. What Peter is saying there, if people don't receive the good news, that they're in trouble, that there's a consequence ultimately for that. But they have the ability to accept or reject the message, the gospel, just like all of us did. And, and I think that's important for us to know and to get a hold of, that, that everybody um, has this op option, this possibility of coming into the kingdom of God. And it may take more than one pass at that. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I think of my own story just briefly. Um, and I've told you that I didn't grow up as in a Christian home, uh, perfectly fine home, but you know it had its, its as dysfunctional as everybody else's, I guess. Um, but we we didn't have church in the mix, and so I, I don't even remember hearing about Jesus until I was 18. And at 18, I was at college, and someone had met my my roommate on campus, and and he had invited this guy over to tell him about the gospel. I don't know why, but he did. He showed up in my room. I didn't have much choice, um, but, uh, but I, I tuned it out the best I could because I didn't want to hear it. So I, I didn't really hear it, but I heard, you know, that's what was going on. Uh, and then when I was 19, through a series of incidents, I had met somebody who was also a very strong believer, and at work there was a situation that happened, and I, I was definitely, um, he definitely had my attention, this guy who I'd met who was a Christian, and he spent... Um, from after dinner until about midnight presenting the gospel to me. And he did a fine job. Looking back on it, I remember it was a fine job. He did very, he answered, answered every question I had. He knew the scripture very well, presented it very plainly, put me to the point where I needed to either say yes or no. And uh, I said no. And, and I, I, I heard everything he said. I, I you know, it was like, I get it. You know, you know why I said no at 19? I think maybe I've told you. I couldn't see how they had any fun. It got down to that simple of a decision. Looks good, sounds good, but I don't know how you folks have any fun at all. 
I'm out. <laughs> and, and I was. I said no. Um, he gave me his Bible at that point in time. It was fascinating, really. Just, I've still got it. I got it on a shelf at home. Uh, I kept it and didn't read it for years. But uh, that's off track. Six years go by, filled with events, some good. You know, I met my wife and some neat things happened, but lots of not good things happened in that process as I went more and more in the other direction and got into all sorts of stuff. Uh, and six years go by, and I have this opportunity again where all of a sudden I'm with people talking about Jesus. And at that point in time, I think, okay. <laughs> and I said, yes. And everything has been different since. But, but so I, I, you know, there was a process, right? There was a, these things happening. So it, it, I, I absolutely rejected it, rejected it, rejected it, and then received it. And, and so I, I say that because, see, we, we have this ability to accept or reject the message. And I, I, I tried to touch on this the other day where I said, because people will struggle here. Because last week I said that God chooses you, and I'm going to say it again a little bit. And, and, and the question is, well, does he, does he only choose, you know, how does that work? And there's a, there's a verse that says, many are called or invited, but few are chosen. And, and people struggle with that. So I, I, that many is a good, you're all invited into the kingdom. Everybody's invited into the kingdom, but only those people who respond to the invitation. Once you respond to the invitation, you know what you are? You're chosen. It's really cool how that works. It was on our our decision was in there all along. We we still have a choice to make and to respond. But once we respond to the invitation, we're chosen, and so that's really cool. And that's what's happening, and what needs to happen in this process. So thirdly, then, how precious is Jesus to you? In light of all that, how precious is Jesus to you? Because ultimately, that's what pre-Christians need to hear and see in us. Really. Um, that's what's going to make the difference over time is, is what they see and hear from you. And it will be about how precious Jesus is to you. Uh, the Apostle Paul said this in Philippians 3, 7 through 9. Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Paul said nothing is more precious than Jesus. Nothing. And, and, and so this week, you know, I want you to think about that. How precious is, is Jesus to you? Are you taking time to think about it? Are you, are you aware of it? Or I think sometimes we begin to take things for granted. And yet, He's so actively involved in our lives that if we just become aware of it, it makes us more grateful and thankful. In little things, in big things, He's, he's, he's so amazingly involved. Last night, you, you might think this is silly, but just it was a little thing that happened um, last night. We, we, so we have an extra event this week where we have to have food, and, and so we have salads. You think, well, that seems silly, but uh, I buy salads, and they come four big, huge things in a case, four to a case which is the right numbers, how many I need. Wednesday, there's a couple of Wednesday night, one for Saturday night, one for Sunday morning, four. So now I have another event where I need salad this week, but I don't want to buy two cases of salad because it's too much salad, and I'll be throwing salad away. So I don't want to do that. You think this is a little thing. So I, I just kind of uh, have a, a slight discussion out back with nobody in particular. We're going to be a bag short this week. And I couldn't let it go at that. And 
literally within a day or two, an extra bag of salad shows up. I didn't ask for it. I didn't go and get it. It just sort of popped in. And, and you think, well, that's, but that stuff is constant when you're watching it. It's amazing to me how often those things are happening. People come that, that, that are just right at the right time. Things happen. And, and, and if you're not sort of looking for it, you forget that it's the God being actively involved in your life, and he's like that. And, and so you have to think about it tonight, that you consider it, uh, and it will help you understand how precious he is. Because, see, this makes a big difference in that we relate to the world around us. Knowing that we're precious to him helps how we relate to him. Knowing how precious he is to us helps us relate to the world around us. So, so quickly, I want to, fourth point, I, I want to talk once, once again just about who you are in him. So that's point number four. Who are you? Who are you? And here's some amazing things that Peter tells us. He's, he's kind of bringing this thing to a summation. Uh, he says in, in uh, verse 9, and this is little letter A3, you are a chosen people. You're a chosen people. God choose you, uh, chose you. You're a chosen people, it says. I touched on this last week and just a minute ago. He, he picked you. He wanted you on his team. You, you are a first-round draft choice. You, you weren't chosen because you were all that's left. You were chosen by God, handpicked by him to be a part of his team, his family, his people. Uh, Peter says in, in the end of First uh, Peter 2.9, uh, a people belonging to God. Goes on in verse 10. Once you were not a people. That's what this whole thing was about. But now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. He chose us not because of our achievements or performance, but because of his great mercy. He chose us because he loves us. That's what Peter's saying there. So who are you? You're, you're one of the chosen people that God wants to spend eternity with. But there's more. He goes on this. This is cool. B, you're a royal priest. First Peter 2, 9b, a royal priesthood. As a priest, you have direct access to God. Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. As a priest, you have uh, an active and important part in his story. You need to know that. You matter. You make a difference. And you have direct access to God 24-7. Well, we're studying the Old Testament on Wednesday nights and, and what the, the, the high priest had to go through to have that kind of access just once a year, it's all he got. And it, was, it involved, um, you know, ceremonial washings and cleansings and clothings and everything just right. You know, if you didn't get it just right, you weren't going to make it. The, the high priest couldn't even have a blemish or anything. No, and, and we in Christ, as a, a royal priesthood, have this direct access to the the holy place of the living God because of what Jesus has done and God seeing us in the perfection of his son. Such an amazing thing. So, so you're a royal priest with access to the throne room of God. But then he goes on, he says there's even more. You're a holy nation, that's C. You're a holy nation, First Peter 2.9, a holy nation. Uh, we talked about being holy earlier in this series. And, and, you know, I said I believe that love is the truest display of holiness. People think sometimes that, you know, holy, the holy people are those who isolate themselves from the world. 
But I don't think so. I think that people who live in the world and love like Jesus did are the truest examples of holiness. And, and that's what we're called to be. We're, we're called to live in this world and love people the way that Jesus did. And that's the, the truest form of holy living. And, and so there's more. Because he says, you know, as a chosen, holy, royal priest, you have a purpose. That's D. You have a purpose. 1 Peter 2, 9. C. E. Sorry. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness, the kingdom of darkness, lost into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of his son, the kingdom of light. He, he called you into it. You responded to the invitation. You were chosen by him in the process. And now we're to be telling, that verse says, the world how amazing Jesus is, declaring his praises. We're to tell about his love and his mercy and his grace and his power, his compassion. Uh, his desire to heal and restore broken people and make them whole once again. And that this is ultimately the calling of our lives. And that it's how we live it and, and how we talk about it and how we display ultimately how precious Jesus is to us. And we're going to talk more about that idea over the next couple of weeks. But this week, as I said, just think about how precious Jesus is to you. And, and be aware of it. Because it will impact the way that you live this life out which will impact the world around us. That's all we have for today. If you're watching by video, thanks for watching. I appreciate you doing that. If you need prayer, go to the website. There's a prayer page, and we will pray for you. And come and visit us as soon as you can.